Tomorrow's World Magazine, November-December 2023 issue. Feature article, Why Are You Alive? by Richard F. Ames. Article begins. About a year ago, on November 15th, 2022, the United Nations announced a historic milestone. The world's population reached 8 billion human beings. What is the future of these 8 billion people? How many have the attitude the Apostle Paul derided in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 32? Let us eat and drink, for tomorrow we die. Are you among the millions who think your life's purpose is just to enjoy physical pleasure before you die and disappear into oblivion? Are you just a clump of cells thrown together by a materialistic evolutionary process? Evolutionists will say that the ultimate goal of life is self-determination, self-preservation, and self-perpetuation. Certainly, the desire to survive and to have a family and children is part of human nature. But is that all there is? Frankly, there is no more important question than why are you alive? If you don't know why you are alive and the meaning of your life, you won't be able to know your purpose and your destiny. For thousands of years, philosophers have proposed answers to the question, what is the meaning of life? And that is a question we should all be able to answer. In this article, we will discuss the awesome and amazing purpose for human life from the pages of your Bible. Subhead Meaning and Purpose Much of today's world has embraced an evolutionary worldview, and many materialists and evolutionists say there is no transcendental purpose of life. For example, the famous American astronomer and cosmologist Carl Sagan thought that humans, in the grand scheme of the universe, are almost insignificant. When the space probe Voyager 1 photographed an image of planet Earth in our solar system, Carl Sagan, considering this pale blue dot, quote-unquote, as he called it, made a striking comment. Quote, our posturings, our imagined self-importance, the delusion that we have some privileged position in the universe— are challenged by this point of pale light. Our planet is a lonely speck in the great enveloping cosmic dark. In our obscurity, in all this vastness, there is no hint that help will come from elsewhere to save us from ourselves. End quote. From the book, Pale Blue Dot, A Vision of the Human Future in Space, 1994, page 7. Sagan wrote that planet Earth is a lonely speck in the cosmic dark. Must we then conclude that we are so insignificant as to be meaningless? Then why does the universe exist? Has it no purpose? Is the universe, as well as our part in it, meaningless? So, this atheistic philosophy admits that it cannot and will not answer the question, what is the purpose and meaning of life? On the other hand, Nobel Prize winner Sir John Eccles clearly saw significant meaning in the creation. Sir John Eccles was, in his time, perhaps the world's foremost authority on the mind and brain. The observations of this distinguished scientist about the meaning and purpose of life are profound. He was interviewed for a World Tomorrow telecast back in the 1980s, in which he said the following, quote, I would say that the meaning has to come back to the Creator. One has to believe that there's more behind all of this, from our very existence as creating selves to what we do and how we live in what I like to think, in an altruistic society, caring and loving one another, living for one another, 
building a new world of love and inspiration and dedication and sacrifice, building such a world. The meaning of all this, I think, is in the mind of the Creator. You see, as soon as you get away from materialism, you have wonderful opportunities. You've left being tied down in materialism, stuck in materialism. End quote. Sir John Eccles could clearly see the strong limitations of materialism. One definition of materialism is, quote, a theory that physical matter is the only or fundamental reality, and that all being and processes and phenomena can be explained as manifestations or results of matter, end quote. From MiriamWebster.com But physical matter is not the only reality, and materialism cannot and will not answer the question, what is the purpose and meaning of life? By definition, it is a philosophy of meaninglessness. The creator of the universe has a sober warning to atheists, which he gave through the Apostle Paul, stating in the book of Romans, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, who suppress the truth in unrighteousness, because what may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has shown it to them. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse, because although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God, nor were thankful, but became futile in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Romans chapter 1, verses 18 through 21. Some who embrace the materialist worldview even admit that embracing the philosophy of meaninglessness gives them freedom to practice all forms of immorality. However, for thousands of years, some philosophers gave a more transcendental meaning to life, even though many of their philosophies were insufficient and even promoted serious errors. Subhead Paul and the Philosophers The ancient Greek philosophers came up with a wide range of answers to questions about life's meaning and purpose. The Apostle Paul was quite familiar with these ancient schools of thought. He visited Athens around A.D. 50. As recorded in the book of Acts, then certain Epicurean and Stoic philosophers encountered him, and some said, What does this babbler want to say? Others said, He seems to be a proclaimer of foreign gods, because he preached to them Jesus and the resurrection. And they took him and brought him to the Areopagus, saying, May we know what this new doctrine is of which you speak? Acts chapter 17, verses 18 and 19. Paul then proclaimed to them the Creator God, who made the world and everything in it, and he made the fundamental yet astounding observation that, In him we live and move and have our being, as also some of your own poets have said, for we are also his offspring. Verse 28. In him we live and move and have our being. Our entire existence, Paul tells us, is intimately tied to the Creator God. Even the Greek poets knew we are God's offspring his children. Paul knew that human life can have no real meaning or purpose apart from God. Yes, we were created to have a special relationship with our Creator. It's the very foundation of a meaningful life. The Savior Jesus Christ also affirmed this highest purpose in life. A lawyer asked him, Teacher, what is the great commandment in the law? Jesus said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment, and the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. 
On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Matthew chapter 22, verses 36 to 40. That relationship leads to a change from selfish human nature to a loving spiritual nature. God wants us to be born into his immortal family. That ultimate transformation takes place at the resurrection from the dead, as your Bible explains. The Savior, Jesus Christ, is the firstborn from the dead, Revelation chapter 1, verse 5. He is the firstborn of many brethren, Romans chapter 8, verse 29. God's children will be transformed from mortal to immortal at the resurrection, as is stated in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 53. Yes, you have an opportunity to belong to an immortal family, to be a part of God's government and royal family. Remember, Jesus taught us to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. Yes, your Bible reveals the real purpose and meaning of life. Bible prophecy outlines the future of the world and the future of humanity. That future reveals your purpose and meaning in life. Jesus Christ came with a message called the gospel, which means good news. That message is emphasized in a heavenly announcement. Then the seventh angel sounded, and there were loud voices in heaven, saying, The kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. Revelation chapter 11 verse 15. Subhead. A New Age Ahead. Thank God that he has a plan to save mankind from total extinction. We are headed toward World War III and Armageddon if we as individuals and nations do not change our way of life. Beyond Armageddon, God has promised a new age to come. That new age will begin with the return of Jesus Christ to this earth and the establishment of his kingdom over all nations. Revelation chapter 5 verse 10 and Revelation chapter 20 verse 6 reveal that our calling and purpose in that kingdom is to rule as kings and priests with the King of Kings, Jesus Christ. What else has God promised faithful Christians? What is your destiny beyond death? Notice this. Then the king will say to those on his right hand, Come, you blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. Matthew chapter 25, verse 34. Yes, faithful Christians, and that could include you, will inherit the kingdom of God. The prophet Daniel also confirms that promise. But the saints of the Most High shall receive the kingdom and possess the kingdom forever, even forever and ever. Daniel chapter 7 verse 18. Notice, forever and ever. Yes, faithful Christians will inherit eternal life. Dear reader, that is just a small part of the glorious destiny God has planned for his faithful people. The amazing truth is that your potential future is grand, magnificent, and transcendent beyond what you can imagine. We get a hint of this plan by reading of when Jesus' mother and brothers came to visit him while he was talking with a large group of people. The Gospel of Matthew records, While he was still talking to the multitudes, behold, his mother and brothers stood outside, seeking to speak with him. Then one said to him, Look, your mother and your brothers are standing outside seeking to speak with you. But he answered and said to the one who told him, Who is my mother, and who are my brothers? And he stretched out his hand toward his disciples and said, Here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. Matthew chapter 12, verses 46 through 50. Will you do your Father's will? Will you fulfill your destiny as a potential member of his family? 
Subhead. The Family of God. When Paul confronted the Greek philosophers in Athens, he declared that our purpose in life is intimately connected to the Creator of heaven and earth. He said, For in him we live and move and have our being, as also some of your own poets have said, for we are also his offspring. Acts chapter 17, verse 28. We also saw Jesus' amazing statement that he considers his faithful disciples as his family. He stretched out his hand toward his disciples and said, Here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. Matthew chapter 12, verses 49 and 50. Jesus described those who obey our Father in heaven as his spiritual family. Yes, God is inviting you to be part of his family. The Apostle Paul wrote that he bows his knees to our Father in heaven, as recorded in Ephesians. For this reason I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. Ephesians chapter 3, verses 14 and 15. Yes, God is the Father from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. God is producing a family. He wants us to voluntarily choose to become his sons and daughters. God wants us to come out of the carnal, sinful ways of the world. Come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. Do not touch what is unclean, and I will receive you. I will be a father to you, and you shall be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 17 and 18. God is love. 1 John chapter 4, verses 8 and 16. He loves you so much that he wants you as his son or daughter. Remember what Jesus taught us to pray in the outline or model prayer. How do you begin your prayer? Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Matthew chapter 6 verse 9. How do you become a son or daughter of your Father in heaven? We must first acknowledge God Almighty as the creator of heaven and earth. Notice this in Hebrews chapter 11, the faith chapter. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. Subhead. Repentance and Baptism. Some of you longtime readers of Tomorrow's World have had wonderful answers to your prayers because you have humbled yourself to pray to your Father in heaven. But there's another step that Jesus made clear when he preached the gospel of the kingdom of God. Notice. Now after John was put in prison, Jesus came to Galilee, preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God, and saying, The time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Mark chapter 1, verses 14 and 15. Jesus called all his audience to repentance. What do we do when we repent? We turn away from sin, which is breaking God's law, his Ten Commandments. To repent means to change our minds and express deep and sincere sorrow for our sins, behaviors, and attitudes. But we are not just to think differently. We must turn our lives around and go God's way, rather than the carnal way of selfishness, greed, lust, jealousy, and other sin. Remember that when the New Testament church began on the day of Pentecost, the Apostle Peter gave instructions to his audience. Then Peter said to them, Repent, and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, for the promise is to you and your children, and to all who are afar off, as many as the Lord our God will call. Acts chapter 2, verses 38 and 39. If you have deeply repented of your sins, and if you have accepted Jesus Christ as your living Savior, you need to be baptized. 
If you wish further counseling, we have representatives in many regions around the world. Just contact us at tomorrowsworld.org or at one of our regional offices, listed on page 4 of this magazine, or by following the appropriate links at the homepage of tomorrowsworld.org. Now is the time to seek God, Isaiah chapter 55, verses 6 and 7. God will abundantly pardon, as he promises, if you follow through on Christ's instructions. After genuine repentance, faith, and baptism, God gives the gift of the Holy Spirit. That is the beginning of a truly spiritual life. We become the very heirs of God, co-heirs or joint heirs with Christ. Read it for yourself in Romans chapter 8, verses 14 through 17. Here is the passage in the King James Version. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God, and joint heirs with Christ. If so, be that we suffer with him, that we may be also glorified together. We've already seen a glimpse of our inheritance. We will inherit the earth, Matthew chapter 5, verse 5. We will inherit the kingdom, Matthew chapter 25, verse 34, Daniel chapter 7, verse 18. And we will inherit eternal life, Matthew chapter 19, verse 29. Let's understand, we are now heirs of God, not yet inheritors. That takes place at the resurrection. As God's begotten children, we need to grow in the grace and knowledge of Christ. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 18. As we learn and practice God's way of life, we grow in godly character. And that takes a lifetime. Sadly, the world's view of the future is very limited and often not very encouraging. But the greatest reality is that God is omnipotent, all-powerful. We read the inspiring words of the Apostle John. Alleluia, for the Lord God omnipotent reigns. Revelation chapter 19, verse 6. Yes, God rules supreme, and his kingdom is the family of God and the government of God, and you can be a part of that living, divine, royal family. The Apostle Paul wrote that as the body is one and has many members, but all the members of that one body being many are one body, so also is Christ. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 12. Subhead Fulfill your purpose. Most of the 8 billion people living today will have their one opportunity for salvation at the coming White Throne Judgment after the millennium. Long-time readers of tomorrow's world have read about God's plan for all mankind. Most people in this present age live and die without having had a genuine opportunity to hear Christ's name and message. But a just and loving God will not leave them without hope. But God is calling only a handful today to be His firstfruits. If God is calling you, Please do not resist his call to become a member of that body, the true Church of God. Despite so much religious confusion in the world around us, we have God's assurance that his church will not die. Jesus promised, I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. Matthew chapter 16, verse 18. Truly, his church will not die. One purpose of his church is to gather believers together to worship on his prescribed day of worship, the seventh-day Sabbath. We are told not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25. 
to help introduce the wider public to God's church, we sponsor what we are calling Tomorrow's World Presentations at various locations around the world. If you are a subscriber to the Tomorrow's World magazine, you will receive an invitation to any presentation near you. And if you want to find a presentation for yourself, maybe near a friend or relative, you can go to the tomorrowsworld.org website and click on Presentations to see a list of cities and dates of upcoming presentations. I and my fellow Tomorrow's World telecast presenters speak at some of these, and many other presentations are given by our fellow ministers in the Living Church of God. As you and your family fellowship with loving and faithful Christians, you will grow spiritually in God's love. Our teenagers enjoy the annual Living Youth Camps, where they participate in sports, other outdoor activities, and other Christian living classes that challenge them to experience for themselves the values of abundant living that will last a lifetime and beyond. Brethren attend the eight-day annual Feast of Tabernacles in various locations around the world. They are preparing for tomorrow's world, when all nations will observe God's biblical festivals. Zechariah chapter 14, verse 16. You are alive for a reason. God is preparing a glorious future for you and your family if you seek Him with your whole heart. Isaiah chapter 55, verses 6 and 7. To conclude, the Savior, Jesus Christ, declares our purpose in life. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. End of article. Read by William Williams. Literature offer. May we suggest the free study guide. What is the meaning of life? Learn more about the true purpose of every human being. Request this free printed booklet from the regional office nearest you, or order at tomorrowsworld.org. PDF, EPUB, and Kindle are also available.